On this episode of the Something Something Cast, we discuss LA by Night, role playing games, and the power of creativity with our special guest, B. Dave Walters. Okay, here we go. Welcome, everybody. It is time for another fun-filled, fact-filled, role-playing episode of the Something Something Cast. Something Something Cast. I'm James Hatton. I'm Podcast Rob. And it is, it's the first time this year that we got ourselves a party. It It, it is. Is it? Yeah. Yeah, first time this Yeah, year. you're right. First, um, uh, first interview of 2020 we got coming up. Loving it. Um... So why don't you introduce like where you know how we got hooked up in this moment? What's going on? Give the world the story. So uh, a very good friend of ours, uh, Xander Genre, does some streaming from time to time. He gets involved in some uh, tabletop RPGs. Uh, one of the ones he has gotten involved in is a uh, fun-filled group of scamps, uh, LA by Night. Uh, did a couple of glasswork for him, uh, sent him out for them as a little gift. Uh, and we were lucky enough to have uh, not just anybody uh, from L.A. by Night, but uh, the Baron himself, Victor Temple from L.A. by Night. Uh, B. Dave Walters is joining us this evening. Yay! Say hello, sir. I would just like to say uh, two things. One, I didn't know this was all audio. I put on pants for nothing. <laughs> and and two, uh, this is not just the first interview of 2020. This is the first interview of the decade. He's right. Of, yeah, it is. Yeah. So you're welcome. That, that's what that's what I'm. That's what I want you to know. <laughs> and, and, and you and you humble listener, you're welcome. All of you. Glad I could help. All three of you <laughs> who are tuning in and listening to this. I we're up to at least seven when they knew I was gonna be on. At least. I mean like my you know, like my my mom and her friends, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, tell me to start late. Why don't you for those of the folks, we are uh, vampire nuts, we're role playing nerds. How what, explain LA by night to the to the unwashed masses. Uh First of all, I hope it was comfortable under the rock you've been living under. Um, We, uh, uh, Vampire the Masquerade, L.A. by Night, is a streaming series. It is now on, uh, we just filmed season four. It is actually all in the can. This is the first season that was all pre-taped before now. They were live. Um, It is going to be on twitch.tv forward slash world of darkness, Friday nights at 8 Pacific. Uh, it is a vampire series uh, set in the world of darkness uh, that goes all the way back to the world of darkness of the 90s. Wow. Um, if, if you are not familiar with it, it basically, anything you've seen that involved vampires or werewolves in the last 20, 25 years was more or less directly influenced by vampire um, in the world of darkness in general. And we are a coterie of vampires. Kindred is the parlance in the game. 
um, that our little group is fighting to carve out our own uh, piece of turf in the valley of Los Angeles. And the, the cool thing about the world of darkness is it is literally uh, this world. It's the world you live in right now. When you go outside, when you go to the grocery store, when you go to school, if you go see a movie, it's that exact world. You just happen to be surrounded by monsters that you were never aware of until you become one. So I was at, let me see, how many years ago was the Grand Masquerade now? It was like five years ago, six years ago, the Grand Masquerade. I was there, and I had always just had my little tabletop crew. I had had my, you know, five, six people. We whip-whipped. We, we wrote our own stories. I had never gotten into the bigger world of darkness world. I wasn't even very deep into the actual, you know, book lore Mythos lore. I hadn't read. I've, you know, I hadn't read the book of Nod. Um, so to meet people who were deeply invested in like the the entirety of the lore is it's a very different experience than just sitting down and, and playing. You know, a group with your friends. How much how much influence has like White Wolf World of Darkness as a whole had on you guys? Have they like? Can you steer it a little less sexy? Can you make it a little? Huh? Or how much have you guys had an influence on them? Uh, well, I mean, less sexy was never in was never <laughs> an option. Sorry. Um, I mean, have you seen Xander? Um, he, um, <laughs> He's a pretty bastard. <laughs> he is. He is. Uh, have you guys met Xander in person, by the way? Yes, we have. I was about to say, he's he's much taller than you think. Like, people never expect him to be the size of a guy he is. You think he's this small, cuddly dude. He is not at all. He is um, tall. We yeah. we met him and Bonnie at a, at a convention a couple years ago, an anime con, and the library bards were down there performing. And the first time we ran into him, it was like, oh my god, they're here in person. And another voice in the back of my head was, holy Christ, that dude's tall. Yeah. Yeah, like the the whole cast, all of us are, are are all of us are taller than you think, except for Erica, who is smaller than you think. Yeah, but said like none none of us are what you expect though when when you meet when when you see us in person though. Um, but to answer your question, um, what we've gotten to do and what I think has been special and what I took very seriously is I mean I've been playing vampire since the second edition okay. you know since you know 1996 1997 the green marble book I know it well oh yeah man with the rose mm-hmm. with the rose yeah uh so all that stuff fell out right on my face all of the counterculture all of the um you know the you're this secretly powerful thing the, the, just all of it all of it I just that I soaked it all up like a sponge and um, when the idea that I was going to get to be a part of this project even came along, I knew immediately uh, I wanted to play a Ventru. I knew sooner than anyone else that I was like, I have to, because that's my, my beloved clan of kings. Got it. And um, I, I, w- I wanted to be the person that was going to be the face of the clan going forward and help reintroduce this game that I love so much to a whole different audience. So the fact that we are a canonical stream and the things that we do actually happen in and affect the world of darkness is both ridiculous and amazing (laughs) and surprisingly hard to do in the streaming world. Uh, But I think it's um, uh, most all of us have been playing the game for years, possibly back to the beginning. So we all take that responsibility very seriously. And just to be able to add a link to that chain 
to be able to have done something that is going to like alter that world forever, I think is fantastic. And um, we are very cognizant of the fact that, again, we are the faces of the game. I mean, Jason was very cognizant of, of being the face of the game when he, ca- when he brought on the cast that he brought on. Uh, so it has all been very intentional from the very beginning and, um, you know, continues to be intentional. Like we, we still uh, um, oftentimes it's like, well, we're going to do this thing. But he might know a, a plot that's coming up in one of the video games that's like, well, you can't go this way. Like, I won't go into spoilers, but I was like, I would call this specific NPC because of this problem. And he's like, well, you can't because that NPC is going to be a part of this game. So we got to be hands off. And it's oh, like, wow. oh, okay. okay. Yeah. And then, uh, but then a different time that I was like, I'm absolutely going to kill this person. And it's like, well, you can't kill this person because this is going to happen. And I was like, oh, okay. Uh, but I was like, but I can torpor that person. And it's like, yeah, totally. I'm like, okay, great. So, um, yeah. That's, I find that super interesting that it's a role-playing game that really has to sort of be bound by other cannons. I mean, it really feels like you're you're in a much bigger LARP. It just so happens there's a corporate side of it. That's that's neat. Well, yeah, it's just it, it's it's a continuity that yeah. it matters. You know that that um, who lives and who dies and who's in charge and all of those things matter. Whereas in most campaigns, it's I mean, thousands of princes have been overthrown in thousands of cities. But if a prince gets overthrown in our city, it means a lot. So. Um, uh, you know, I'm, again, what sort of monster would actively be plotting the prince's downfall? Um, the answer is literally all of them. Right. I don't um, so, <laughs> Yeah. I'm like, 100% of them, actually. Um, but yeah, but I, I mean, I like that because that sort of um, 4D chess long-term strategy thing really works for me. I like thinking that way. Like, I play Ventru because I am one. So I'm I'm constantly trying to play the game four moves ahead and like maneuvering and countermaneuvering. And when you have the added complexity of not just what other people will do that can surprise you and not just what Jason will do that can surprise you, you have what the dice will do, which will always surprise you. You can have the best laid plan. Mm. And if the dice say it doesn't work, it doesn't. And you can be completely outmatched and nearly hopeless. And if the dice say you win, you win. Uh, I have been on both sides of that equation in my gaming career. So that's a, an, an, an amazing variable that I really enjoy. Yeah. Uh, we have done, I've done my fair share of the live action. Uh, mm. And I have had a Gangrel and a Giovanni both be on both sides of those scenarios. And, mm-hmm. uh, when it when it works in your favor, it is the most awesome feeling ever. Mm-hmm. When it's when it's you and your army against that one dude, and you all roll critical fails, it is mm-hmm. the most suck filled feeling ever to be encountered. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yep, yep. But that I mean, that's the beauty of the medium and why video games will never replace tabletop. And I, I, I like, I like video games fine. It's just, um, I mean, who knows? Maybe in the far flung future when AIs are just so ultra adaptive, but I don't think that's ever going to be the case uh, of, of just the, the reality of sitting around and telling the story with someone else and like building off and building off and building off. And then you roll that 20 and it says you win. You know, like, it doesn't matter about the algorithm, the gameplay, the battle, like, nothing else. Like, the dice say you win, so you win. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and that is uh, that is a beautiful thing. Now, 
Jason's input aside, has it ever gone through your or any of your castmates' heads that I do have this kind of plan I like to put in action, but I also know that we're amazingly canonical, so maybe I'll kind of self-edit and change that before, while it's still in the planning phase? Or is it just, this is what we want to do, we're going to try to do it, and then if we're told we have to change it, we'll change it? I mean, I... The first couple of seasons, I just shot my shot. Like, whenever. That I was like, here's a chance. Boom, you know? Now, when... Uh, and, and sometimes, if I saw it coming, I'd, I'd kind of give Jason a heads up. Now, I'll be like, hey, so... I'm thinking I'm going to go this way. Is that all right? And if it's not all right, you know, tell me now. Or even, I'm telling you that this is what I'm going to do, just so you won't be caught flat-footed when I do it. Um, I think more than everyone, I play the game further out. Uh, everyone has very different approaches to it. Like Alex, um, quite famously, he just likes to like sit down at the table and see what happens. You know, I mean, I'm sure he has a plan in his head for, for Jasper, at least in broad strokes, but he very much is like, he knows who Jasper is, and Jasper is just trying to survive through the nights. Whereas me, I, I've thought of, like, literally thought of where I want Victor to be in 200 years hmm. and, and act accordingly, you know? So, um, yeah, I, I think some of the others have probably... Uh, self-edited in advance, but I definitely haven't. Now, don't get me wrong. There's been things I've said I wanted to do, and I was told no. Like, I'll give you a, a classic example. Um, when we created the new club Maharani, Jason and I were, were working on what the details of the club were, and I was like, I want a helipad. And he's like, what? And I was like, because I want to take a helicopter to my club. And he's <laughs> like, and he's like, you can't have a helicopter in North Hollywood. And I was like, I mean, but I can, though. And he was like, no, you can't. And I was like, okay. And when we had to do the rescue mission of Jasper, it just so happens I was out of town filming when they planned the rescue mission. And Erica had heard me talking about the helicopter, but apparently had not heard him say I could not have it. So the helicopter became pivotal to the rescue mission, and so I like sneaky backdoor got my helicopter. <laughs> there you go. So that's that is why Victor's got the helicopter. So that's uh, I was like, hey, all right, great, great, cool, 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 fantastic. Yeah. Have you guys found now with season four? You said being the first one that's pre-recorded. Uh, has it been easier to avoid those kind of canonical pitfalls because it's pre-recorded, so you can kind of get that out of the way first, as opposed to when everything was live? No, because it, I mean, we still don't really, we still don't really have the luxury of multiple takes because you still have X amount of footage you got to get in the can. Um, because you know you've still only got so long. You've only got the the crew so long, the cast so long, the space so long. Um, so barring catastrophe, I mean, in four seasons, I can think of two things that were reshot. Wow, okay. Yeah, I mean, because for the most part, even if it's not what you intended, it is what it is. Sure. You know? Yeah. I mean, well, what 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 we get now, and this is useful, is you know we don't know what's going to happen in advance. Like when um, uh, we were told at the beginning of season three that um, you know this was going to be kind of like a, a cold war 
type season uh you know it was like not a lot of like crazy like fighting in the streets type stuff and it was going to be more subtle and political and we were like all right and then minute one episode one season three the club got blown up with us inside (laughs) so when you see us sitting there and he's talking and then the lights come on and he describes the explosion and we all look at each other like what are you talking about that is a hundred percent genuine oh great when uh, when Talizin came out to announce, uh, was it season two or season three that he came out to announce? Um, I think it was season two. Um, when that happened, we didn't know. So much so, I saw him outside. Like, he's there. And, like, we're sitting around talking and everything, and he's just sitting chilling in his, like, normal clothes. And we're like, all right, we're going to go in. And when we went in, apparently he just rushed and changed ultra fast and came in. So when we all look surprised, we really are. So now it's usually it'll be things like, hey, you know, head roughly towards the beach. Do not go into the mountains, you know, or talk to this guy. Don't attack him before he says what he has to say, you know, like like that kind of stuff. Gotcha. We'll get, you know, and the rest of it, it is, um, you know, we find out when you find out. It's very political intrigue, like the movie Heat. <laughs> yeah. Hey. If it's you, a simple sap, you're going to turn his wife into a widow. Brother, you are going down. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, good stuff. So let me take a, just let's take a quick step back. I just, so how did you get involved entirely, you know, to go from, you know, we, we're in a moment where there's a lot of online role playing and there's cool podcasts and there's Twitch. How did you get involved in this, in Geek and Sundry, in Vampire by Night? You know, how'd you get involved in the game? Uh, it is wild and improbable and I'm grateful for it every day because it's ridiculous that I get to do what I do. Um, I'm, I'm at a point now that literally every game I loved, I have relationships with the people that make them and get to do it like officially now, which is again, insane and ridiculous for the vampire in particular, because how I got in with geek and sundry and how I got on vampire were two different stories. So I'll tell you how I got on vampire. Um, I, uh, was co- hosting a show called um, Ask Your Black Geek Friend on Geek and Sundry. And Satine Phoenix came out with a D&D supplement. I didn't really know her well. I'd met her once, maybe twice. And uh, she came out with a D&D supplement, a Xanathar's Guide to Everything Else. So I hyped her supplement on our show and made sure that it's like, I told everybody where they could go get it. And then after I'd done it, I clipped it. And I sent it to her that I'd done it, you know? And she was like, oh, wow, thank you so much, and and everything. I was like, hey, cool, no problem. And then about a week later, she's like, hey, I'm actually doing this charity thing uh, that I do every year to raise money for a Reach Out and Read. I think it was Reach Out and Read. Um, Would you like to come play some games? And I was like, yeah, sure, of course, because, you know, I've been role-playing since I was 13. Mm -hmm. and But I'd never done it on stream, ever. So in December 2017, we did the Chair D20 stream where we played Vampire, and that was the night that I met Jason. And that stream, you can find the links to it. That was my very first time playing on stream ever. And I played uh, Gangrel, and I knew I went all in. I, I got dressed up. I did the voice. I was just like, I, I'm going to show the world what I'm capable of here. And apparently it worked. So Brilliant. The, the conversation of doing a vampire stream so apparently it was a year and a half almost two year process of 
getting the show greenlit just for a variety of reasons and uh, hoops that had to be jumped through. But it was legit because of my performance on that particular show and the fact that I knew the game very well uh, was why I got in. Fair enough. That is fantastic. Mm -hmm. Which is funny because a lot of people thought I was going to play a gang girl in L.A. by night because of the job I'd done. And I was like, "Um, no, because I knew, I knew even if I'd played the world's best Gangrel ever, like if I just became like the the Darth Vader of Gangrel, in the back of my mind, I would always wish I'd played Aventru. Ah, so you see yeah. yourself, you see your, like, if you were to, you did that like fantasy booking of you, you'd, mm-hmm. you'd be Ventru? Oh, 100%. Okay. I mean, Victor basically is me. Like, I, I mean, if, if, I was, if I were turned into a vampire tonight, in roughly 15 years, I'd have that dude's life. Like, I mean, it just, yeah, I mean, we're, we're basically the same person. I've, so. I, for years, have argued that I've wanted to be a Malkavian, but everybody and my mother admits that I would be a Toreador, and I just have to accept that. I mean, yeah. out of the two of us, I'm the Malkavian, you're the Toreador. That, I mean, let's be true. fair. That's, that's very true. You know, uh, look at Van Gogh. You can be Malkavian and an artist, you know? You, you be you, man. You be you. So if so, if you basically are uh, Victor Temple in fifteen years' time, uh, how is your NBA career going? Uh, you know, uh, I, I might have already blown out the ACL at this oh, stage uh, in in his life. Maybe, that? yeah, maybe, maybe. Oh, yeah, brother, maybe. I'm terribly sorry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's all right. Apparently, it works out fine. You know. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, it works out fine. <laughs> so. Uh, Talk to us about some of the other stuff you do. You also uh, write comics for IDW Publishing. Man, let me tell you something. Uh, I think right now, at this exact second, I charitably have six full-time jobs. (laughs) Uh, Charitably. Uh, And I think in a way that I I just got, I just picked up another thing the other day. Um, I have five streams I'm on, three of which I run. Uh, there's, I'm, I'm on the cast of LA by night and beyond heroes. Uh, I run long beach by night. We just finished recording uh battle Lords, a limited series of bad Lords of the 23rd century. And we have a D and D, uh, stream that hopefully we'll start filming next week. That's not a hundred percent official yet, but Hey, by the time this comes out, maybe I'll be saying it's official. Even, I don't know. Um, I have my Patreon games. I run between seven and 10 sessions a week for my Ooh. patrons. Yeah, which, oh, yeah, I've run, like, 150 games of Vampire now, like, maybe more than that, so, it's, uh, I, I, Vampire and D&D, I, I thought I knew well, now I know, like, really well. Look, you got um, seats open? Because I'm in, I'm in the market for a good game. Yeah, man, always, hey, you know, come on down. <laughs> uh, that's been great, and, I mean, that, to me, the, doing the Patreon stuff is as insane and improbable as doing the streaming as well. Like, you hear, uh, I, I think I did an interview a while back, and somebody was like, so you're a professional dungeon master, and I was like, ah, oh, I guess I am, that's weird. Um, so that's that's a lot of fun, you know, and I and I still write, I did, I, I wrote uh, Dungeons & Dragons A Dark and Wish for IDW Comics, um, issue four came out, I think two weeks ago, issue five is probably another four ish weeks. If I had to wager a guess, and then the, and that'll be the end of that, uh, issue five is the end. And then later in the summer, the trade will come out. Hopefully we get to do more with that. Um, because I, I definitely want to return to that story in that world. Cause they're very near and dear to my heart. Um, I'm getting hit up to do more game content writing now. Um, I'm, I'm, 
I hate to be that person vague booking about unannounced projects, but it's it's <laughs> it is what you got to do. Yeah, but it's stuff you've heard of and stuff that I'm I'm really happy to be a part of. And um, it's just again, man, it's just like it's so I'm so incredibly lucky and blessed, like I said, to be adding links to that chain of continuity, to be able to contribute something to that world, to have added something to Dungeons and Dragons, you know, to have added something to Vampire, to have added something to Battle Lords of the 23rd Century, you know, to have left my mark on things in a way that hopefully other people will be able to get lost in and enjoy is um it it is it is incredible honor and i think it's a responsibility that quite frankly i take i take very seriously sure. you know um i i try and uh in the stories that i tell my my number one drive um and it sounds like way more uh, dramatic than i mean it to is to reduce human suffering and when I, what I mean is, you know, life is hard. I mean, life is hard. Life has always been hard. Um, it is stressful. It is, you know, being hungry, being tired, having a job that you don't quite like, you know, a relationship that you don't quite like, all kinds of things that you don't quite like. And if I can give somebody the opportunity that for just a couple of hours, they just don't have to think about all that, you know, <clears throat> can kind of get lost in something, either taking this journey uh, with us as as viewers or as members of the community or by participating actually in the sessions and being those things. Um, I mean, on my Patreon, I've had five or six people message me that like, oh, we're under attack. The alarm's going off. I've talked too long. Run. <laughs> nope, you're good. That has nothing to do with anybody here. <laughs> Just federal agents down on the ground. I'm sorry you um, got picked up. Go ahead. Uh, it's, I'm, I'm like a hawk. Um, so... Uh, I've had, you know, uh, uh, more than a few people have basically, like, confided that it's, like, they were contemplating suicide before they found their place in our community and kind of found their voice in a place where they felt like they belonged and could kind of work through some things. And just being able to create those spaces for people. Again, that's the, that's the power of, of what this is. That That's the power of... of uh, you know, being a critter or a fan of uh, Shield of Tomorrow or a part of the family or just anything. It's just yeah. feel like you there's a place where you belong, you know? Um, and I love being able to do that. Now, you you did bring up the fact that you feel it is a responsibility, and that is, that's a, a very cool thing when something that you were a fan of, that you are now involved in the creation of... Um, is it, is it also a driving force where you, you want to create the things that people who are now the age that you were when you got into it, see that stuff that you're creating and this is what gets them into it and like almost like a pay it forward kind of thing. Uh, yeah, and I, I want to give people a chance to see themselves reflected in things. Um, I want people to see themselves reflected as, you know, heroes and villains, um, you know, as, as powerful people and as dastardly people. And, uh, again, it, it keeps coming back to that, you know, there, there's a, there's a, a place for you here, to enjoy it how you want to enjoy it. 
And I think that's that's in particular the the beauty of the world of darkness. That uh, I mean, of course, in Dungeons and Dragons, you can have characters take a, a villainous turn. Of course, you know, and it, you have iconic characters like Raceland and things like that. But I mean, for the most part, the idea of confronting things about yourself is very much woven into the fabric of the world of darkness. The fact that at the end of the day, you are a monster. You really are, and you're trying not to be. You know, you're trying to hold on to something good in yourself. Um, that very much lends itself to facing the things in your real life that, you know, might be turning you into someone you don't want to be, or at least have the potential to turn you into something you don't want to be. And then you have to face that and work through it in a different way. Um, it's amazingly uh, therapeutic to be able to put on that mask of a hero uh, and and see things through their eyes and act accordingly. And more than anything, I think it gives you, um, um, I mean, good storytelling when you have a skillful DM or game master or whatever is about letting the players be at cause in the narrative. Um, that they, what they do and what they don't do matters and their action and their inaction matters. Uh, because we don't always get that in life. We don't always get to feel like we are the inciting incident and that we are the ones that can make a major difference for, for good or for ill. So just letting people feel that power is a lot. Um, and so those, those are the things that, that I take on. I mean, even my D&D story. I told people from the beginning it was a tragedy, and they didn't believe me. Uh, now, <laughs> near zero, zeroing in on the fifth issue, by the way, the fourth issue ends, they're like, wait a second, there's only one more issue. How's this going to get solved? And I'm like, mm. Not good. <laughs> and I'm like, mm, thoroughly. That's the answer. Thoroughly right. is how it's going to get solved. Yeah. Um, because, uh, you know, for that, I wanted to be able to make a statement on, um, you know, the not hubris so much as the fact that you can get caught doing the right thing for the wrong reason. That's why, like, Darth Vader is one of my favorite characters. Like, he is my absolute favorite of all time across all media. Darth Vader's number one. But characters like uh, Arthas Manethel from Warcraft, again, even Raceland. Um, the characters who are led down a dark path for the right, with the right intentions, though, that mean well and, and are lost on the process. Like, that's fascinating to me. Those are the stories I enjoy. Um yeah, but you know, it, just because you said that, I have to chime in. I, uh, Arthas was probably the best story arc that they had in World of Warcraft. The whole uh, Lich King expansion was probably the best thing that they had put out. Man, let me tell you something. When we finally completed Ice Crown Citadel and we kill Arthas, and they cut to that cinematic, and his dad appears to him and is like, "Come, come to the land of your ancestors," and Arthas says to him, "I see nothing but darkness before me," and dies. I cried like a baby. Like yeah. everybody else was like, "Woo!" Because you know, of course, he's just a raid boss. Like it was hard, you know. <laughs> I cried so hard when Arthas died in front of me and I was and I'd helped killed him. Oh dude. Yeah. It was such a good storyline. Mm-hmm. Hundred uh, percent. So now you also said uh you are part of a number of streams, some of which you run. Uh also for the uh casual listener, 
if you even just go to Twitch and type in tabletop RPG, there's like hundreds upon hundreds of channels that come up of people playing any one of a number of different types of tabletop games. Mm -hmm. Uh, Do you think that the popularity of streaming tabletop games is something that is reflective of uh, streaming being more popular and the, uh, the internet being a much bigger thing than it was 20 years ago when people were mostly playing these with local people around their own table? Do you think it's more of a product of more people need uh, escapism because of, you know, not to get overly political or, or religious, but because of the, the world and the state that things are in right now? Or do you think it's a mix of both? I mean, yeah, we are in the darkest timeline. It not, um, it's not a great one. You know, um, you know, uh, I give this speech a lot in that, let's call it 20 years ago. I mean, honestly, really could have been 10 years ago, but let's call it 20 years ago, you know, properly before the internet was really a thing. I mean, I guess dial up was kicking in in the late nineties, but I'm, I'm definitely old enough to remember a world without an internet. And when that was, you had maybe on the low end, 25 people, on the high end, 75 people that controlled all of entertainment. All of it. Sure. If those people didn't pick you, you were not going to be a movie star. You were not going to be a rock star. You were not going to be on the radio. Like, it just was not going to happen. And I don't mean that in a conspiratorial sort of way. I mean, there was only so many outlets and only so many gatekeepers. And if you couldn't get past them, it was a wrap. Yeah, and to that point, there um, was, you know, that was like five times multiplied by, you know, 20 years before that. Oh, yeah. That. Oh, I'm yeah. Oh, yeah. It was always improbable. Um, but, you know, there was a narrow window. And there's some really, truly gifted people, you know, we've never heard of because, you know, they just they, they never got a chance. Um, that's not true anymore. Uh, there are no more limits. Uh, there are no more barriers. Everything has been flattened. Everything has been democratized. Uh, I wouldn't quite call it a meritocracy. Not quite, because there is definitely still some room for, you know, money and resources. But for the most part, it is a fairly merit-based economy now. However... Whereas before the challenge was access, now the challenge is being heard above the noise. Because while, yes, you can absolutely tell your story and speak your truth, so can literally everyone else. The thing is, and what makes it beautiful, um, is, you know, it's... I encourage everyone who's even remotely considering streaming to do it. Uh, Does that mean you're going to become the next ninja? Absolutely not. And quite frankly, statistically speaking, you won't. However, if you're doing something that you really enjoy, and what a lot of people don't realize is there's something called a thousand loyal fans. Um, You can Google it. It's a thousand loyal fans. And and the, the gist of it is... You only really need a thousand people that really love you and love what you do and support what you do to be able to do it full time Um, and be able to do it full time, you know, fairly comfortably. Like you don't need millions and millions and millions of fans. And when you're at a place where uh, hopefully you're approaching it from a position of spreading joy and not necessarily from a position of making money, because it is actually fairly difficult to make uh, good, consistent money at. Um, But if you're looking at it from the fact that you're doing something fun and holy crap, you might have actually made an extra 500 bucks, which in a lot of places in this country is a whole hell of a lot of money. Like it's some money everywhere. It's a lot of money in a lot of places. Um, 
you know, then that's good and fantastic. And, and getting to share your love of something with someone else is it should be your uh, your motivation. And I think that's what most people are doing. I think most people see um, something like L.A. by Night or see something like Critical Role and they start thinking, well, maybe I could do it. And the answer is you should. You should try. Like, I mean, again, even the fact that you guys are doing this podcast, you heard other podcasts, you were like, we should do that. Yeah, you should. It's good that you have. Um I mean, I, I encourage um, literally everyone to shoot shoot your, shoot their shot as long as it, again, it is something that you enjoy and you're coming from a place of service and a place of contribution and it is something that you would have done for free anyway. Um, that's when all of the, the doors and everything open. Because I'll tell you something else, and I apologize for rambling, um, but again, you knew who I was and you invited me in and I am a vampire, so you know the implications. Uh, when I set foot in Geek and Sundry, when I literally entered the building the first time, I knew exactly what I was going to do. I knew exactly that I would accomplish what I'd accomplished. Um, and I knew I was going to do it, because remember, I told you guys, I really do try and play the game four steps out. I knew I would accomplish it by establishing myself as a solid, reliable guy who was going to be easy to work with and would do my best every single time. Like I would, I, I would try and make sure that everybody had a good time and I gave every, that I would do my best and give everyone else a chance to be their best too. Uh, and it worked. <laughs> it worked. Rob, you disappeared. Still no, I'm here. Oh, okay, good. Hello? He's, he's for class. I'm still here. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> the, there is something to be said. You are 100% right about the just go out and do it. I mean, this is, we've been doing this podcast now for poof, five plus years. I did web comics for 10. There is something about just putting it out there and, and accepting that, you know, you may get picked up, you may get seen, you may not. You may have five fans that buy into everything you sell or may buy into every word or, you know, know the, the words to every song. Um, you're do, the minute that happens, you know you're doing it for somebody and that's, that's everything I've ever needed when it comes to, to my entertainment endeavors. Yeah, yeah. when, oh, when oh, we no, started this podcast... Uh, it'll, we're going to be coming up on seven years in July Goddamn world. and when we first started this, uh, it was always funny to joke about, you know, we're just screaming into the void. We don't actually have anybody listening. Uh, but when we first started getting the comments on our website and the tweets back to us, uh, it was really kind of an empowering feeling to know that, Hey, there are really people listening to what we're doing and it's creating debate and discussion and commentary. And I can only imagine it's multiplied tenfold, if not more, when it's visual. And it's, uh, it's something far more creative in the grand scheme of things than two guys sitting behind their computers talking about random pop culture bullshit with what you guys are doing, where you're actually creating worlds and adding to worlds that are existing because that does come with an intrinsic already built in fan base. If, if that makes sense. So it's, uh, it's very cool to have that mindset and, and yeah, we, we've been doing this for a while and I can't see us, you know, closing shop up anytime soon on it. Um, 
you know, but that, I do, I do appreciate your your comment on that. That if it's if it's something that you enjoy doing and you would have done for free, just do it. Don't don't wait. Don't don't hem and haw about it. Just just do it. Shoot your shot, like you said. Absolutely. Well, here's the thing, and, and this this is the secret sauce, honestly. That at the end of the day, the only thing you really have to do is try and foster a sense of community. Yep. Um, the extent to which. You make people feel like they're a part of this with you and they're a part of something with you and in contributing something. Um, that's that's the magic. And that's what people really love. And that, that's what people are looking for. And that's, uh, I mean, and again, that's the essence of fandom. The difference is now, you know, when, when you're a part of these fandoms, you're in a place where you can completely interact with people. Like, I mean, you can love Star Wars, but it's hard to talk to Adam Driver, you know? Mm. Um <laughs> You know, you love it. Yeah, right? You know, and I'm hey, I'm not knocking that guy though. No, you know what I mean? But that's you know, that's just, just the way it is. But I mean, you're super into vampire or you're super into CR and you tweet something and you tag us in it. I mean, hey, you never know. I mean, some of us are obviously more responsive than others, but you know, you have pretty good odds that we're at least gonna like it. You'll know we saw it, you know, like if we even if we don't like directly interact because of it, you know? So um and I mean, I think that's that's beautiful, and that's where the fan art comes from, and that's where the fan theories and all that other stuff come in. You know, um, yeah, it's all uh, it's all beautiful. So I want to throw out a, a little bit of a, a little snippet of a conversation. Uh, when we were trying to set up this interview, uh, I had reached out to you and asked uh, if there was anything particular that you did or didn't want to talk about, uh, and you said, and I quote, "Literally anything." Every week on Ask Your Black Geek Friend was different, so it's pretty hard to trip me up. All true. So, so in that vein, uh, we have I have put together, I would like to say, 10 of the biggest hot-button questions going around in the world of entertainment currently. All right, hold uh, on. I, I, need to, I need to issue a disclaimer here. Uh, uh, okay. Don't, don't ask me unless you really want me to say what I think. Oh, no, that's... <laughs> I wouldn't have put these questions together if I didn't want that response. Damn, now I want to figure out what questions we should have asked. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to do this kind of lightning round. Uh, I'm going to ask a question, give me your first knee-jerk response, and then as soon as that's done, I'm going to go right on to the next one. You ready? Let me just say one quick thing. Uh, sure. Hey, Internet, if you don't agree with what I said, don't at me. They asked me. <laughs> no. At us. If you don't agree with what he said, at us. We're the okay, ones asking. At STSTCast on Twitter. Do it. Yeah. Yes. Okay. All right. My body's ready. I'm prepared. Okay. Ready? Kansas City or San Francisco 49ers? San Francisco. Who is more overrated, Dritz or Legolas? Oh. Oh. First of all, first of all, I'd bleed for either of them. That's the friend. Put some respect on both of their names. But if I had to pick Legolas. I'm with you. Who is your favorite movie vampire? Ooh. Favorite movie vampire. Um Bill Nye's character in Underworld. Um Ooh. I was not, uh, not expecting that one. Yeah, yeah. No, it'll come to me in a second. Sorry, y'all. I'm lightning rounding, but yes. Um, oh, that's okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. So if, if Disney were to reboot Pirates of the Caribbean movie franchise, who is your fantasy cast to play Jack Sparrow? I completely forgot his name was Victor in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Victor. Bill Nighy in Underworld. Uh, who would play... Um, um, Jack Sparrow. Jack Sparrow in a reboot. 
Um, believe it or not, um, uh, Tom Hiddleston. Hmm. Oh, I can see that very well. Yeah, Good call. <laughs> What's an accent that you can't do, but you wish that you could? South African. Hmm. It it's it slides into a weird New Zealand Australian thing. Yeah, it has the uptick at the end. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I can't even really hear it right. Like I hear South Africans, and I think it's Australian or New Zealand. Mm-hmm. Like it's a, it's like there's a perception filter, and they mm-hmm. probably hate that too. So. Oh, 100 percent. They absolutely do. They absolutely uh, do. Mm-hmm. Original Disney animation or live action remake? Originals. Does pineapple belong on pizza? Absolutely not. It is an abomination that must this be destroyed. Interviews over. Yeah, sir, we have to we have, run over. out of time. To, <laughs> hey, hey, Gordon Ramsay is with me on this. It's not even Hawaiian. It was made in Chicago. It's the only fruit that belongs on pizza is tomato. No. I got three more for you. If Wizards of the Coast came to you tomorrow and said, we want a new RPG setting and you're going to make it, what would it be? Hmm, 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 hmm. That's one of those things I cannot discuss. Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. We will accept that as an answer. All right. Uh, it's on the board. Name hey, a movie I, but, that you I, know. I will, but I will tell you this in, in, in extremely broad strokes, and this is true. Um, I would have a world that magic has been in the world for a very long time, and you see how that really develops. I think you could look at the modern world and see how much can change in a thousand years, and I always have problems with that when it's like, um, like like the Elder Scrolls and Skyrim, for instance. Like, Skyrim is supposed to be a thousand years after the Elder Scrolls, and I'm like, in a thousand years, someone would have built a pickup truck, you know? Like, I mean, like, the the roads wouldn't still be cobblestone. They Mm -hmm. just wouldn't, unless you're all really stupid. So, something that is... At the very yeah. least, they'd be steampunking it up. I'm something. You. Something. And I, I, have, I have my own vision of what that would look like. Yeah. Name a movie that you know all of the words to. The first six Star Wars movies. <laughs> okay. Right. Fair enough. It, it, I'm pretty good with movie quotes because my brain just works that way. Like when you mention heat and I can like directly quote that scene. It's like it's for whatever reason that sticks with me. Like names don't. I'm awful with names. Um, I'm great with faces. Like I remember details about people. Like I'll bump into you and be like, yeah, we met at a Hall and Oates concert in 1984. But I cannot tell you that your name is Chris. Um, it's just, yeah, it, the quotes, quotes stick with me easily. Rob does that as well. It's uh, super frustrating when I'll give a, a bastardized half a movie quote and he'll come back with no, 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 no. The scene yeah, was no. bright. The sky mm-hmm. orange. Mm-hmm. 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 Uh, and final question, main player or guest player, who is Victor Temple secretly afraid of? I mean, I was going to say no one, but that's not true because he's completely aware of what they're capable of. I think he's most concerned with Strauss, but honestly, he really does approach it like like you're a lot like a lion tamer, you know, where you're like this creature could kill me whenever it feels like it. And yet I cannot let it know that I know that, you know, Um, he's always attitude. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, but he's always outmatched. He's always outmatched. But to him, he's like, but you underestimate me, and that's my strength. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Very cool. We appreciate the answers. So, yeah, hey, if there's any more questions on this list that you were like, no, we can't ask him that, I'm like, mm, you can though. <laughs> uh, okay, I'll 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 throw one last one out there then, uh, okay. and this is far more on the serious topic. Okay. Um, do you feel a certain amount of responsibility? Uh, for representation in the streams that you do, in the games that you play, in the uh, content that you create? Uh, I appreciate you asking me that. I really do. Uh, Absolutely. Um, I was adamant that Victor could not be a criminal. Um, I was like, because the the hip-hop equals crime trope is... is, um, worn into the ground. That's why I was like, you know, he made his money clean. Uh, he didn't do any, like, not drugs, none of that stuff. You know, like, he was a legit businessman. I mean, obviously, as a vampire and in the process of being barren, like, you know, he's done all kinds of crimes and killed all kinds of people. But the fact that I did not, I wanted to portray his success as a black male as being absolutely legal and above board and a byproduct of his own uh, intelligence and tactical thinking. So, yeah, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. Now, that being said, uh, there's times that obviously if the role calls for something that might be a little more tropey, then, you know, then maybe sometimes I'll do it. But, yeah, there's there's that that sort of thing very much comes up into my uh, my decision making and the things that I do and don't do in, in the, the steps. And, I, and I'll tell you a different story. This is an experience I had with uh, Sam DeLeve. When we were doing Theogony of Kairos last year, um, Sam, or I guess it was two years ago now, wow, uh, Sam is non-binary, and this was the first game we'd played together, and they were playing a character that was non-binary, and I asked them, I was like, well, you know, can people you encounter in the world question you about that? Hmm. And they were like, no, because I expect my fantasy world to be better than this one. Oh, fair enough. And I was like, transmission received, yep. you know, <laughs> you know, transmission received. And, and I'll even give you another example. There, there was, um, uh, well, that example I'll keep to myself because that dealt with someone else's feelings besides mine. But yes, I will say that being conscious of the representation and how we show portray certain communities is definitely something I, I very much take to heart because, um, even though I, I didn't want Victor even to have been an athlete, it just made sense with his story. And the fact is, I'm nearly seven feet tall, so it just kind of it was it was a reasonable um, storyline. Um, but a lot of times, you know, the the portrayal of black males is usually you know athlete or criminal. Um, I mean, obviously, quite frankly, Obama helped a lot with that. <laughs> the, you know, the idea that we could be something that was besides that. But for the most part, you know, a lot of times that's the, the those are the options that are that are given to us. Um, so trying to be something other than that, even from the fact that I'm there playing the games or I'm there dungeon mastering, even um, just the fact that uh, you know my even participation in some of these spaces unconsciously gives other people permission to participate in these spaces. And for the record, everyone has participa- uh, permission to participate in these spaces. A hundred percent of people have permission to participate in these spaces. And if you didn't know, I'm officially telling you, uh, you are officially worthy 
to participate and have a place at the table. Yeah, I would I would say just from my years of playing, I've always found that the table is and I'm sure there are sexist, misogynist, racist tables out there. I'm I've oh, yeah. I've been blessed to never been a part of one. I've yep. I've always found that whether it is someone mid-transition or whether it is somebody who has an alternative sexual proclivity, a different gender, a, a, anything, the, the table has always been the melting pot because you can be whomever you want to be, you can play however you want to play, and we're all just rolling dice. Yep, exactly. Well, I mean, that is what it's supposed to be. Right. I mean, uh, again, unfortunately, you know, that is not always everyone's yeah. experience, but uh, I, I would say if for whatever reason you were made to feel uh, not included or less than in your gaming experience, you know, other tables exist. Yeah. You know, there, there's, yeah, just uh, keep rolling to, till you find the people that you fit in with. I dislike min-maxers more than anything else. Like, seriously. <laughs> oh, but I am one. Oh, I am one. Oh, man, I am one. You, I want you to know, like, I literally, like, without, no, and this is the God's honest truth. I have all of Victor's XP expenditures planned out through season eight. <laughs> I'm not lying. I believe you. Now, the difference is, though, is it because you've looked at the rule set and you've gone, okay, when I mix this, I can, I can get rid of this flaw, I can bump up this gift, I can, or is it, it fits with the character narratively, or is it some like, I, I, I want this, so I'll make the narrative fit? It's 80%, the, well, it, it, it's 80% the former. Okay. Um, well, like, for instance, I, although my plan for him has changed, because things that have happened to him in the game have changed, okay. but for instance, the... The reason why I specialized in dominate is it was the one thing I could do that no one else could. Sure. That was that was my only that was my only rationale. I mean, it's turned out to be like super useful, but I mean, if I'd had a animalism or a protean or or something else, um, I'd have tripled down on that. Um, it was just my ability to contribute something unique to the group and unique to the to the setting. Um, and you can't you can't argue with that, especially when the answer is, look, the the plan was this, but the game changed it. Oh yeah, yeah. Then you're you're free and clear. You're you're doing yeah. nothing wrong. I mean, <laughs> even as as recently as this season, I, I changed the plan and and bought some some different stuff uh, than I'd intended. Yeah, and you know, honestly, to tell you the truth, that where I really got that from was like back in the three point five days in early Pathfinder when you had to have prerequisites for things. And if you weren't careful and you'd made the wrong choice at level four, you really were screwed. Like, you just were. So the only solution was to know in advance. It's like, well, okay, I want two-weapon fighting master. Then I have to do this at three, yeah. six, nine, twelve, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so I just got used to planning. I, and every character I play to this day, uh, from level one, I plan to level 20. Even though uh, very few characters play that whole way, yeah, which is why I run so many campaigns at level twenty, so people can get a taste of what it's like at the at the high end. Epic, I think is some of my favorite. I think mm -hmm. vampire is also kind of a different creature when it comes to that too, because in your mind, everybody's kind of got their their vision of their character at yeah. you know a high level of power. Yeah. Uh, and but yet right now we're coming into the game and, you know, I'm flinching at cigarette lighters and branches. So <laughs> yeah. how do I get from where I am now to where I want him to be? And you do have to kind of, you know, plan out that ladder. Yeah. Uh, well, so, yeah, I totally get that. I've done that with all of my characters, too. I got to be honest. And V5 
you know, work to kind of globally depower everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, you have to be more uh, tactical and strategic about what you can and can't do. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, no, but I am super min-maxer. Like, I am that person. I am, a, except, you know, but but I, I will tell you, in, in my perfect position, um, what I like to do is be able to have a toolbox where I can get us out of almost any mess and then let other people solve the problem. Like, I like to be the backup plan, ah. basically. You know, I'm like, in case of emergency break glass, mm-hmm. I am what is in the glass. That's what I like to do. Yeah. So... This season starts, give everybody the dates, the times, and what they can look forward to. I guess by the time you're hearing this, we would have started last Friday. So we start Friday, January 31st, is L.A. by Night. Uh, Long Beach by Night, which is our show that is in parallel with L.A. by Night, in direct continuity with my Patreon games, uh, returns Sunday uh, at noon, uh, February 2nd, on twitch.tv forward slash Times. So it's World of Darkness for L.A. by Night, Q Times for Long Beach by Night. So every Friday and every Sunday, you get your vampire on. Brilliant. And... Why don't you, I mean, I'm sure it's, you type in LA by night and you get every link ever, but why don't you give them the links and, and where they can find you and everything you do, please. You've been, you've been uh, wonderful with us. So uh, get thank all of you. that I, there. I, I appreciate you guys taking the time to do it. There's one thing that I have not said at all that I officially have to say, oh, uh, shit, hey. games, uh, games for love charity, um, very near and dear to my heart. Uh, again, uh, the the mission statement is reducing the suffering of children. You know, calling on the the gaming community to both uh, help provide experiences for sick children that are gaming oriented, where they can have some fun, and also raise money to uh, provide necessary you know, life saving treatment for um, sick children, especially in the developing world. So, um, uh, uh, we're I am the um, Influence and marketing director, so I make relationships with streamers, with podcasters, uh, and people like this to uh, uh, try and help raise awareness and get people both uh, performing events and even just hosting donation links. But it's uh, gamesforlove.org. Um, and I am at B. Dave Walters or were on all the socials. Um, you can see me saying words about things uh, all over the internet. Like I said, right now, do let me see. Right now, it is. Uh, Friday, LA by night. Sunday, Long Beach by night. Wednesday, Beyond Heroes. Soon, Thursdays from 5 to 7 doing a thing. Then soon after that, Wednesdays at 6.30, Battle Lords will start airing February 26th. So, um, yeah, it's a good time. How did you it's a good time, time to, to be a geek. This, how did you have time to do this show? <laughs> we booked uh, it six weeks ago. We oh. legit booked this six <laughs> weeks ago. Brilliant. Like, y'all. Hold on. Without exaggeration, we really booked this like December 10th. Yeah. Um, yeah. He was to, like, well, here's my schedule through February. And I'm like, okay, let's let's see what we can figure out. It's uh, it's the God's honest truth. I was not kidding when I said I have, I mean, I have six full-time jobs if you count being on five streams as one job, which, spoiler alert, it is not. Yeah, no. Still, <laughs> yeah. But I mean, hey, it's uh, it's 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 great, and I've I've been blessed to have some opportunities, and I'm just doing all I can to make the most of them. Like, I mean, again, y'all, when I can when I can publicly say that this other thing that I just got tapped to do, I'm gonna be so happy about it. And again, it would always bother me when people would vague book about it, but I'll get sued into dust if I say something now, but I'm just getting into something dope. So, you know, it's, um, it's, uh, and it's been a blessing and it really truly would not be possible 
uh, if not for you guys, if not for the people who are listening, if not for the members of the community, for the family, for the people that take the time out of their day to take these adventures with us, because, you know, your time is your life. You have 168 hours in a week that you will never get back. And I take very seriously when a person decides to spend them with us. So uh, thank you for that. And thank you all even for listening to this right now. Look, my, my favorite vampire character that I've ever played may be a Giovanni, but I am not going to be the reason that a Ventru gets sued into dust. So <laughs> we totally get the vague booking. But when you can mm-hmm. talk about stuff like that uh, or anything that you have coming up in the future, please know you have an open invite to come back onto our show, pimp your stuff out, get the word out there. You know what? Uh, it's been an honor and a privilege to have you on our wait, show tonight. On, we thank on. you greatly oh, oh, for wait, it. I- Hold on, I'm, te- I'm, I'm teasing. I'm teasing the yeah, audience. Yes, I'm going yes. to tell you right now via text. I'm going to tell you what it is, just Shit. so the audience can hear your reaction here. Um, okay, I'm I'm waiting with bated breath, sitting in front of my DMs. B. Dave Walters, right hand Skype. Victor Temple. Oh, he's holding sliding he's into in Skype. So. Sliding right into our DMs. Yeah. We what? Right. Oh, it didn't appear what? on Rob. Send it to me. <laughs> I feel oh. so alone. All right, hold on. Wait, if I send it to Twitter, will you see it? No, Rob's gonna he'll he'll throw it to the Facebook. Hey. Yeah, I'll put Facebook. it in here. Yeah. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Yep. 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 It just so, says I mean, laugh maniacally, so everyone believes. No, I'm kidding. It hasn't come in yet. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a uh, it's a neat thing. I think. Oh uh, no, shit. Yeah. Right. See, that's totally baller. Absolutely. Yeah, I promise. Right. I'll tell you soon. Okay. I'll tell you soon, people. But it'll be dope. Stuff. We will not tell them. You will. Yeah, yeah. we will not mention it. Uh, that being said, you still have uh, a standing open invite to come back on when you do more creative stuff, want to talk about new stuff that you're doing, or just, you know, shoot the shit with us. Uh, you've I, been awesome amazing, and we greatly appreciate your time in your busy it. schedule. Yeah, we got to, like, book one now. I'll come back in friggin' April or something. Geez. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, but hey, I appreciate you guys taking the time to talk to me because you moved your recording day for me. So thank you. I, I, I appreciate that. I appreciate you being accommodating. Not a problem. Uh, this has been uh, B. Dave Walters joining us at the Something Something Cast. <laughs> Those are my adoring fans. That's what that is. And if you... Uh... Any, if you uh, want to find B. Dave Walters on anything, the links will be in this post, um, as well as I guarantee you by the time you're hearing this episode, there will be a link uh, for Games for Love on the side of this very website. So hey, check it I out. Started doing, I started doing my little happy dance, and then I remembered you couldn't see me, and I reiterate my objection that I wore pants for nothing. <laughs> sure, they're fantastic yeah. pants. Rob, do you have anything you want to add? Uh, I... Just to throw out there in the general stream of things, uh, if you want anything swag-wise related to our podcast or vinyl or glassware, hit up shop.somethingcast.com. Again, we will also have the link for gamesforlove.org on our website. Also, uh, book the date. Keep an eye out for May. We are part of Livestream for the Cure 4. Uh, they are doing 48 straight hours of podcasting. Epic Film Guys setting this up once again for the fourth year in a row, trying to raise $10,000 for Cancer Research Center. Uh, so definitely check that out. We'll be tweeting out all sorts of links for donation and how to view it and where you can watch it and stuff. Uh, we're honored to be a part of that again this coming year. Uh, until then, 
Hey, I think we're pretty good. You know, I know you're trying to wrap this up, and I'm being terrible. Um, no, not at all. But, terrible away. But I, I just, I do want to say one thing because it wouldn't be me if if I didn't um, uh, point this out. Because when when I talk about like the the stuff that I'm I'm getting to do, and again, I'm I'm just lucky. I've I've worked hard, but I've just been in the right place at the right time. But the thing that I want to impress upon all of you is, I mean, I'm going to be 42 years old next month and you know i've been working at this non-stop for many years and if you think that there is something you want to do do it if you think you are too old you are not if you think you are too young you are not again just pick something you love and do something every single day to get you closer to it and i promise you if you ride out to meet your destiny the entire universe will reorient itself to make it happen for you that's it i'm really done now I don't, think, I don't can... think we could end on a better note. That's the best note we've ended on in six and a half years. <laughs> so with that, thank you again. And I, we're going to leave it there. I'm James Hatton. I'm Podcast Rob. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you next time. Later. Something, 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 something. Okay, here we go.